Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Well, it's just gone midday here in Barangaroo Studios and it's Friday the 15th. It's the last The Call for the week and I'm really looking forward to it today because we've got two uh, wonderful experts in to help answer all your questions and before we get started a big hello too to all of those viewers joining us via Twitter and Facebook. So joining us today we've got Rudy Philippek van Dyke from FN Arena. Rudy good to see you. I just checked my car. I can't give you a pen. Yeah I know. <laughs> I was hoping I got away with flicking that off uh, uh, unexpectedly, but thanks for pointing that out. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, we're joined uh, in Canberra, I believe, uh, Claude, uh, live via Skype. Good to see you. Good to see both of you guys. Excited to be here. Yeah, always good to have you on, uh, Claude, from A Rich Life. Uh, Now, guys, we always talk a bit about our stock of the day before we get to our viewer questions. And a little bit of apologies in advance to uh, many of our viewers because this stock does come up a lot and I know it is very divisive, but we felt we had to give it a bit of a a run today. Afterpay, of course, is what I'm talking about. A very uh, stock, uh, very much a stock in focus. It's, It's had an incredible run. Most recently, though, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a, an odd one. We had a uh, competitor over in the US, a firm, debut on the exchange, and it pretty much doubled. And that's made people think that Afterpay is more valuable. Riddle me that one, Rudy. How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> Hands up who doesn't own shares in the company. Yeah, um, I, I wish I did. Yes. I've got to say. Um, I don't feel too bad about it. I mean, I have that particular gene that if everyone is doing their thing and making money, I'm, I don't feel all, all of a sudden I've been left out or anything. Oh, you know, I wish I did. I have, I have stocks like REA Group and Zero, which have equally done well. That's true. And that's uh, true. I should, so I don't feel bad at all. But who was it who said there's nothing worse in this life than watching your neighbor get rich? Ah, yes. Uh, that's, that's, I forget who said it, but it's, it's very nature, true. The human nature. Yeah. I mean, you have to get on board. Listen, I'm, I'm going to start off with, with, with the obvious. I mean, uh, the pandemic has completely uh, transformed that sector and that company into something uh, completely new, essentially. Yeah. And you have to feel, just as a sidestep, you have to feel for all those value investors that were short the stock uh, and have been short for quite a while. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I remain a big fan of saying that most investors should never go short. Uh, and that includes most of the professionals, because uh, um, if they're really honest about it, most of those short positions basically cost investors money. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. In well, partic- shorting being too early is the same as exactly, being wrong. I exactly, suppose. exactly. Yeah. And, and the fact that if you don't like a stock, it doesn't mean that you have to go short. You mm. just stay away from it. Right? Yeah. Simple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, coming back to, uh, to, uh, to Afterpay, um, there is a lot of fluff in that share price. There's a lot of hot money, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the U.S. has stocks like uh, like Tesla. Uh, there is uh, Bitcoin elsewhere, mm. and in Australia we have the B- BNPL sector and Afterpay in particular. Um, and it seems like every other week there's a new one listing yeah, as well. Uh, doesn't exactly, it? exactly. Yeah. Um, 
the difficulty is, and this is practically impossible to do, is to, to distinguish what is fluff, what is hot money, what is pure sentiment, and what is uh, fundamentally driven. Mm. Um, a simple observation here is, is that uh, of all the brokers that I know of that's, that cover this stock, uh, there's only one that currently has a share, has a share price target, which is above the share price. Mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. Morgan Stanley at one one hundred and thirty-six. Mm -hmm. So there's still some upside left if Morgan Stanley's projections uh, are being reflected in the share price. Having said so, um, we are going. The share market is going through a sideways channel at the moment, and that's driven by uh, rising bond yields in the U.S. If if the U.S. bond market rallies further, we will get a correction in the share market. That's a given. The share price that has a lot of fluff in it, like Afterpay, will fall by more than most other stocks. That's mm -hmm. the risk you have here. Um, I don't want to take up all the time on Afterpay, but to go, to go right to the core, if you own it, you might as well stay the course because you probably are there for the momentum. Mm -hmm. But that's the best, I think, that, 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 that could be said here. And you have to hold with an iron stomach because th there will be times, and I think those times will, will come sooner than later. Well, we had, we had it in March of last year, it was below nine bucks a share after an incredible run at yes, the time. Yes. Uh, and, and how it, scary it, was that? And I think, exactly, and I think it, we won't go back to nine dollars or whatever, but we will, volatility will kick in at, so, at some point. I think that's not too far off from here. Yes. Um, and that's, that's inevitable. Uh, to happen at some stage. We so made the point on the show yesterday, even the very, very best companies, uh, the best stock performers always have a bumpy ride. Yes. Most of them spend most of their time below a recent or previous high and the drawdowns can be massive. Yes. So don't think that just because you've picked the best stock in no. the world that you're not no. going to experience no. volatility. And, and the reason why that is, is it's called humans. Yes. Um, the share pesky price, things, the share price yeah. goes up, uh, more and more humans climb on board yep. and when the share price no longer goes up, then they Fell off, fall off the, fall mm -hmm. off the, the, the ship. I mean, so or they jump off, and, and then that's human nature, and that's that's how it goes. Well, let's see what Claude thinks now. Claude, I guess th this is one that um, is very difficult because, on one hand, this is a, an, a new phenomenon on planet Earth. This is a category, and it's one that I think most people will agree is here to stay. And it's it's a very large market, and the the, the companies that manage to sort of dominate that in the future will be insanely profitable. And so you can actually see that it makes sense. Uh, price to sale of 70 seems a little bit crazy, but uh, you know we've, we've, we've seen that these types of companies that end up dominating a very fast and ultimately very large market can do very well. But that's the question, right? If it isn't one of the leaders in five, 10 years time, then there's, there's a lot of perfection priced into it. Yeah, well, that's right. I think you've done a good job in sort of outlining, I guess, like the bull, the bull case at this, at these prices. I mean, the earnings are, are meaningless at this point. I think, you know, it, it, it's not what the focus of the company is, but it's also not clear what uh, long-term profitability will be in this kind of space. So you've got one point of view, which is basically to say, well, Afterpay is the leader in the space and likely to remain so. So as a result, whatever profits are available to the buy now, pay later sector, which is likely to be some, right? Because um, yeah. especially a big one like Afterpay, it's attracting buyers. So they will be able to tax that value somehow for sure. But I think it's fair to argue that the most profitable one of the lot of them is likely to be Afterpay in the end. And that's why I would say of all of the buy now, pay later stocks, you know, Afterpay is probably the one I would own if I have to own it. However, um, we should probably discount my views on this subject a little bit because I've not owned Afterpay and in fact many years ago sold 
Touch Corp, which then merged into Afterpay. Oh, so I would, have I you done the sums you know, on how much money you would have made if you'd not sold? <laughs> Don't, I by the way. I can tell you off the top of my head, it's like a life-changing amount of money that Oof. I uh, threw away there. All so, that hurts. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that that's... I have to put that up front because like, I called, I made a very big call on Touch Corp, which turned into Afterpay and got wrong about that. So, um, full credit to the people that have held on for this massive ride. It's gone a lot further higher than I thought it would. And uh, the other thing as well is it, it kind of makes sense that the share price would move up given how high this Affirm, this US competitor, right? That's actually skyrocketed at one point as much as 160% since yeah. it began publicly traded. Yeah. And... From what I'm seeing, just reading, um, you know, Business Insider and various publications, they had something like uh, six million customers and six thousand five hundred vendors, which is a, a lot fewer than what Afterpay has at the most recent update. I think Afterpay has closer to eleven million customers. Mm. So basically, it's pretty easy to see why people get more excited about Afterpay because of that. For me, I actually think Rudy's words were, on this were really high, like a really, really high value. I'm really wise. The, the reason the share price is so high is partly just because of this massive Momo situation. We've got momentum, you know, the liquidity, the bond rates, all of that stuff. It's not just Afterpay that's had a, had a big couple of days. Um, a lot of those high multiple stocks are doing well. And if we see that reverse a bit, I think Afterpay will, you know, get hit pretty hard, even if the business keeps going, going really well. So wise words there from Rudy. And I'm going to have to, I think, follow him with what was is essentially a hold recommendation. I, mm. I wouldn't, I don't want to go around telling people to sell Afterpay because basically, like, I've, that's not been a good call in the past. I myself don't hold it though, and and I wouldn't be buying at this price. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, it's such a fascinating space, but we do have other stocks to get to. Uh, let's do that right now. Ray has written in Aurelia Metals is the stock that Ray is interested in. AMI is the code. Rudy, a gold and copper producer. Uh, but the key word here is producer. It actually does dig stuff out of the ground. It's actually got sales. Last year, it actually paid a dividend. So it certainly separates itself from many of the other players in that industry. Is it one that you would buy? It's still very small. Uh, and it, it does have a few other projects. It recently raised capital. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why the share price is a little bit uh, going sideways. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming here that the, the reason why, why this stock has been mentioned is um, I recently highlighted a, an update by Ortmanet on this stock. And Ortmanet sees a lot of catalysts on, on the horizon and the share price effectively doubling over the year ahead. Mm -hmm. Big call because uh, other, other analysts who cover the stock are not necessarily that bullish, but uh, in, in an environment where sentiment is definitely looking forward to a recovering economic picture and, and rising prices for commodities, uh, that's definitely not, not impossible. Mm -hmm. um, having said so, um, you have to have a stomach for, uh, for, lit, for small cap uh, mining producers, uh, mining, uh, because uh, they're not quite the same as industrial stocks of, of larger size. So yeah. um, yes, if you, if, you, if, you, if you believe the analysts, this share price should go a lot higher this year, in particular if those catalysts come through and once the recent capital raising has been digested by the market. But be, be careful because volatility will kick in and um, this story about global recovery and rising commodity prices is, is not going to run indefinitely either. Never does. And we're all going to find out in, in the course of this year how long exactly that's going to stay with us. Yeah. Right? yeah. 
So I'll push you on it though for the purposes of the call. Yes. Buy, sell, or hold. A uh, speculative buy. Okay. Uh, Claude, what do you reckon? Oh, I'm really throwing down the gauntlet there with a buy for a gold miner. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's tempting to chuck it on the on the portfolio, but um, I guess uh, my 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 hesitation with uh, gold and gold mining in general is just that it's not an area of expertise to me, and so I myself personally don't invest in these kind of companies. Uh, so so with that disclaimer out of the way, I did have a good look at this one, um, and and just run the spectacle skeptical eye over it, and it does actually look pretty decent to me. So they recently raised capital at forty three cents, which is where the where their current share price is right now. So it's quite arguable that there's probably a bit of support at the current share price so if you're looking at this as a speculation essentially on the price of gold which is how i would see it um if you're if you're happy with the idea that you want the that you think the gold price is going to go up well these guys could be a decent play way of playing it because with the capital raising support at around the current price um there should be slightly more limited downside at least in the, the downturn uh, in the in the short term so you could sort of wait hope that gold picks up if it does you probably see a gain here mm-hmm. so it's a tough one for me to say buy because i just wouldn't buy it myself but i am sort of tempted to give it a speculative I, buy I can, just I can because see. i know be careful, yeah, Claude. You got you got to put it in the portfolio. <laughs> but it's I mean, on you too, Rudy. It's other, on you too. The only other stock Rudy and I added was ProMedicus, and which exactly. unfortunately someone else took out of the portfolio. So I thought we might get away without a mention of ProMedicus today, but I, <laughs> it, I was not. wrong. Definitely I mean, not. It, it's a pity that dropped out of the portfolio, hitting all-time highs today. So given that our track record's so good with double buys, I'm going to have to withhold it from. Aurelia and just give it a hold unfortunately it does look good to me but I just don't have the sort of confidence in it's my it's my failing not a failing of the company I just don't know enough about how to cross-check you know the how to analyze mines the risks the operational risks that's why when I do gold I tend to just do gold instruments rather than miners well as Buffett is fond of saying it doesn't matter how big your circle of competence is but knowing where those boundaries lie is all important and that's no, that's true. where I land on on miners too but one thing I yeah. would say just to throw in a couple of cents here and I'm not in any way implicating Ray for this but anecdotally it seems when you speak to a lot of people in this space there's two things one the share price is going up and two they have a, a first level sort of uh, uh, understanding of of what drives the underlying commodity. And the people who do do well in this space, and they are out there, they actually understand the state of the actual mining operations, what requirements are there, how much cash flow uh, is potentially able to be generated, you know, what CapEx requirements are. They, they read annual reports. They read the drilling assays. I mean, and that's, so my, my advice to anyone who's interested in this space is by all means do that. But go beyond just, oh, the share price is going up and I heard at a barbecue the share price is going to double because everyone's buying gold or something like that. Understand the business. Um, Okay, let's talk about uh, something probably a little bit more interesting. Claude, I'll give you the first crack of this one. ARB Corporation. These guys make accessories for four-wheel drives. They make a a whole range of accessories. And this has to be, I I think, one of the better performing long-term stocks on the ASX that is perhaps... Uh, not that well known, although it has come into more prominence lately. Founded by the Brown Brothers, they pay themselves virtually nothing. They own about 15% of the business. 
Earnings have just gone higher year after year after year. Wonderful capital managers. However, to be negative on it a little bit, it's sort of looking at about 10% sort of growth going forward, yet you're paying a PE of 40. Is this a case, Claude, of a nice business but too expensive, or is there good reason to pay up at this point? Well, you've taken a lot of the good points there about the business, mate, but I think you've nicely <laughs> summarized why it is a business that deserves to be on the watch list. And I, I mean, this is the kind of thing that obviously for me, it's a father-in-law stock rather than something I'd buy myself. Um, it's just too big. It's too out there. I'm looking for something under the radar, but it is a good quality company. My father-in-law has owned it. He might have sold now, but the, the, the point of the matter is after we take everything that you just said, Andrew, which is all true and is reasons essentially like to be interested in maybe own, the share price has run up on really great sales, right? So they've just done a mm. recent announcement that just shows that they've got huge sales growth, half on half of 21%. I mean, this is something that sells, you know, that for people that don't know, like this is like bull bars, you know, they're famous for bull bars. So, you know, so traditionally sometimes big mining booms help this company because there are lot, lots more trucks with bull bars around, but it's also just people like love to have their utes and have it fitted out with the best tray and a new tray and a new bull bar and all that sort of stuff. What drives that kind of spending, in my opinion, we have to ask ourselves what has been driving the massive growth in that spending in this half year period. Well, JobKeeper has kept people going with cash and indeed the company itself gained uh, $9.8 million in JobKeeper. Um, on top of that, you have early withdrawal of super. So lots of people have taken their super out for whatever reason. And you know, one could speculate some of that ended up in the ute. And then on top of that, for for this whole pandemic period, no one's been able to really travel overseas at all, uh, certainly not for a holiday. And even within Australia, that's been severely limited. So somebody who might have had a few grand in the budget for, for their family holiday, they might be driving somewhere nearby and spending way less. And I would speculate that the, on the ground, what we're seeing is um, we have people who ha are using that holiday money to buy a, a new ute or refresh their new ute or something. So I would argue that it may be that as international travel and holidays and stuff take off again, you might actually see that effect reverse and the, and the pent up demand mm -hmm. for that holiday means less, fewer bull bars are bought and stuff like that. In that case, We've got a situation where based on the most recent half, they're maybe on like 25 times mm. earnings, which is not too bad, assuming they can repeat and sustain and grow from here. But the downside risk is if they just can't because they've had such a free kick because of the situation that we've been in. And that's why I would be wary of it. So, yeah, so for me, it's even probably closer to a sell almost, but I don't want to put a sell necessarily on what I do think is a high quality business and therefore a reasonable long-term holding. So no. yeah, sort of hold or sell for me. Hold, leaning towards a sell. Jeez, guys, we're going to struggle here. We're, we're, in, we're up to number two. I'll keep it short. Just, just, just to put that out there. What I'll, do you reckon, I'll, Rudy? I'll, I'll, make it, I'll make it very quickly. Uh, those who are familiar with my research might, might, might know. I'm, I'm very much focused on quality of stocks. Yep. This is one of the quality stocks on the share market. No two questions about it. I agree. It. Um, I owned it for, for quite a while. Um, in the pandemic, I decided to sell it because I thought uh, that recovery is not going to come that quickly. Mm -hmm. Well, that was wrong in hindsight. And this is a stock that usually traded in the high teens, maybe early 20s. It's now moved to the early 30s in share price, so it's, it, it definitely has gone to a new level. 
The big question mark here is how sustainable is the boost that they are experiencing. Um, on top of everything that uh, Claude just said, the Thai baht is important because they've moved their facility yeah. to Thailand and are producing from there. So there's a currency impact there. And they are moving in, or they have moved into the United States. And um, yes, they are linked to car sales, but it's a particular type of car in, in that segment. And um, that, of course, at the moment, it's, it's just thriving, it's booming. The sustainability is a big question mark here. I would, on top of everything that Claude and yourself have said about uh, about about ARB and myself, because I, I would I would love to have this stock in my portfolio for the longer term. But mm -hmm. the big risk here is that if it proves not sustainable, that the share price will reset back to the to the maybe mid twenties, early twenties, and share price. That's quite a lot from from where it is right now. Mm -hmm. um, so I wouldn't chase it here. Mm -hmm. um, I'm almost. Uh, inclined to say the same thing as Claude. Okay, okay. it's such a high-quality company. It, it's a shame to say it's a sell, but I would say it's an avoid at yes, this level. Yes, <laughs> yes, no, that makes that makes sense. Let's, uh, Rudy, you're first off the uh, rank on this one. This is Urbanize, sent yes. in by James, yes. uh, Strata Management. We've actually had a comment on Twitter from Reese saying that he smells a buy here. <laughs> really? Um, is is it a buy for you? I have a good. I, uh, I have a suspicion that we will hear the bull, the bull story from, uh, from Claude. That's why I let you go first. So I'm, so I'm going to do the other one. Um, they always say, uh, buy low, sell high. The question mark you have to ask, can the share price be too low? The answer is yes, it can. Um, my own analysis and also academic research, and, and, and if you talk to experienced fund managers, they will tell you the same thing. Sometimes when the share price is really, really cheap, you really have to start asking questions. And more often than not, um, that's a black hole that just sucks up money. Um, having said so, of course, you can, you, can, you can rummage through the rubble in the market, through the, through the trash, and occasionally you will find something that is a turnaround story. Mm -hmm. And of course, it starts from a low share price, potential returns are enormous, at least for the time being. Mm -hmm. yeah? Because often those stocks, they don't really. The problem with urbanizers, when it listed, and that's not that long ago, it looked like an interesting story. At first, the share price really very highly valued. And then gradually, and you can see it on the chart there, it has, if that's a patient in the hospital, you'll be calling Invocare. <laughs> yeah? It's that simple. Mm -hmm. Now, is there a turnaround story? Um, I think we have to switch to Claude for that one. Okay. But personally, but it, has, it has dropped off my radar and, and I'm basically almost not interested anymore because um, when the stock ends there, a lot needs to happen before it gets my interest back. Okay, so Claude, <laughs> I'm, I'm um, definitely keen to get your insights here, but I might direct viewers to A Rich Life where I know you've got some material written on this. So please do your best to give us a succinct answer as to why we should buy Urbanize. Yeah, so so viewers can find some of the older stuff about Urbanize, which is fr we're free on A Rich Life, but um, some of the newer stuff is still behind a paywall. So I'll catch you up. Last time we talked about this stock on the call was January Oh, sorry, July 9th, and the share price was around six to seven cents. So we've had a bit of uplift, a bit of results since then. Now, what drove that was there was a, a quarterly and a full year report that still sort of remained consistent with the turnaround uh, story, but it wasn't like, oh yeah, the turnaround's definitely on now. It was just consistent with this, you know, winning more strata managers, more facility managers, that kind of thing. So um, that's good. But then the share price flew up to like nine cents around then. And one of the big insiders who was buying at like three cents and was actually, I think the broker that initially floated it before it blew up, 
he started selling a bunch around then and then the company goes ahead and raises capital at 7.8 cents per share which is pretty much where it is today and they've raised capital they say uh, you know essentially to accelerate their sales process for facilities management so they've got strata which is obviously big strata stuff you've got slightly different needs for facilities so facilities might be a big factory or warehouses stuff like that they got the two businesses both sort of turning around and starting to pick up now but uh, so I was really disappointed to see that um, capital raising and the share price was still above 7.8 cents at that point. So I actually took a little bit off the table there because I felt like uh, there was no share purchase plan. There was no renounceable rights offer. It was literally just what I heard. You know, it's basically just the chairman or one of the directors of the board basically just decided which people got to buy shares under the market. And I don't really like that sort of stuff. It doesn't fill me with confidence. So I actually took some off the table there at around eight cents. And I'm still holding, I still own the shares. I'm looking for higher prices, but unfortunately that behavior just really made me lose a bit of confidence in uh, the in just how much I want to back this, this board and this management team. So I do think the stock is undervalued and I do think that, that they can continue to have success in this turnaround. And look, it's good for them that they've got now cash on the balance sheet to pursue that growth. But I really want to see some good growth um, in, in annualized recurring revenue okay. coming forward in the next year or I'm out. So we'll put that as a, as a, a hold and watch for you at this, at this point in time. Uh, and one thing I would also say, uh, James, who sent that one in, is that it's pretty thinly traded, as you would have mm. seen on the chart there before. In fact, mm. looking at my screen at the moment, there have been two trades that have gone through today. Yes. So that is that is just something to be mindful of. Claude, you get to go first here again. And uh, also just friendly time warning here. Uh, two stocks to go before we get to uh, 12.30, which is not far away. This one is Dubba, D-U-B. Will wants to know, buy, help, buy hold or sell? Um, well, you know, in this kind of bull market, it's hard to put a sell on any on anything. But just in terms of just generally, like I feel, I feel like this one's probably just a sell for me. It's um, it's trading at around four hundred million dollar market cap. The last quarterly update from memory was less than twenty million in annualized recurring revenue. So it's on about twenty x recurring revenue, and um, I think ARR was only up twelve percent. And basically, revenue is tiny. Um, so I think the last quarter they did about 3.25 million in revenue. So these are pretty low numbers for a $450 million company odd. And what's more, the company recently raised capital $1.10, I think it was, and it's trading like well above that right now. So, sorry, it was $1.25 it raised capital of, oh no, so it was $1.10, yep. And it was $1.10 mm -hmm. and you can see it's bounced up strongly since then. Ah, uh, look, if you want to buy something on, on 20 times revenue, I think we were talking about urbanized a second ago i think that's on like about eight or nine times annualized recurring revenue or even less so this one's just like at a big price you want to see some really amazing stuff from it and i just don't think it justifies the quality so this is call recording software and that and that kind of thing not one for me unfortunately yeah claude makes some interesting points here in valuations just devil's advocate though here rudy and i don't own shares yes. on it but but i'm assuming the balls would say yes that is a lofty multiple but back in 2018 their sales were one and a half million now they're 10 million yes. two years yes. later. Yes. To be fair, there is yes. quite a bit of dilution yes. in that and, as well. But also that's that's the point I was trying to make earlier. One stock is trading on low multiples because it has delivered nothing for shareholders over such a long time. And it has disappointment after disappointment. That's how you get on a single digit multiple. The other one is actually, it's a small company, but it actually is growing. 
and, and it, it's, it's obviously in the sexy sector. I mean, it's the cloud, it's, it's telecommunication. Um, for me, it's too small. And, um, and the, the, the usual warning, which, which has to be repeated with those small cap stocks, is be careful for when the trend reverses. Uh, it can go very quickly. Um, it's all about momentum when it comes to, to, that, to that small part of the market. So um, I wouldn't even, at this level, I wouldn't even put a speculative buy on okay. it. I would go a speculative hold, maybe. Yep. Um, I mean, but you have to be careful because, um, again, if, if, risk, if risk appetite retreats for the market, this, these stocks can get a real clobbering and they will fall by, by, by multiples of what, what the rest of the market does. So for me, it's too small. It's, 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 it's yet uh, unproven, the business model, and, and, um, and, and, and the share price is, is by, by, by no means uh, somewhere in, in cheap territory. Well, just to your point, they're looking at the chart, there's the, uh, the, s the scale on the, uh, the yeah. y-axis is what yes. you've got to look at. Even, yes. even uh, ignoring COVID there, there was points there where, well, there's the five year, which illustrates the point even, yeah. even more that, uh, over a period in which sales have gone incredibly well, you have very big uh, drawdowns and then very big rallies up again. So it yes. does it does require an iron constitution. Yes. Really, first uh, um, crack at this one, split it, SPT. Split it. We're back to buy now, pay yes. later again. Yes. Uh, Alex yes. wants to know, is, is perhaps this one worth having a look at? I'm, I'm not sure about that business model. And to be honest, I'm definitely not an expert in, in that sector. But in, in, in general terms, and that's what Claude said earlier, um, I'm a big fan of buying the leader in any market uh, because over a, long, over a longer time of period, you will find that the leaders outperform uh, the rest. I mean, very simple example, if you take a 20, 30 or 15 year view on the banks, Commonwealth Bank outperforms all of them, right? And there's always the more expensive one and it doesn't make sense, right? Um, in terms of this one, same, in, in broad terms, the same observation, there would be a lot of uh, hot money in this one. Uh, I don't know, given the competition. I mean, of course, it now it's, it's as a, it has an agreement with Google in, in Japan. We don't know yet. They don't even know yet whether that's going to continue past the next 12 months mm. or what, what exactly it's going to bring in. Um, Market definitely like the news, though. Well, always. Of I mean, course. It's, it's yeah. a sexy sector at the moment. It mm. just shows you that, that, that sentiment is very hot. Um, I would say if you allocate something, do it with a small part of your portfolio, bring your iron uh, stomach with you because it volat volatility will kick in at some point. But I wouldn't recommend anyone um, as a long-term investment or anything at this stage. Um, right. You have to manage risk on the long term. In the short term, you can take it. In the long term, you have to manage it. All right. Hey, Claude, what do you think? Well, I really, in, in researching this, tried to find some sort of rational bull case for why you would hold this stock long term, and I can't. Uh, essentially, I guess it comes down to a question of whether you think that the big guys in Buy Now, Pay Later end up taking the lion's share of the profit, which I definitely think is absolutely the case. Um, but even then, even if you say, all right, maybe the top three, like how many, do, how many different Buy Now, Pay Laters will merchants have? They can definitely have a few. I've seen heaps of checkouts with four or five, right? But how many people are actually going to be used like using the fifth rank split it? And if they are using split it, then does that mean they also have buy now pay later accounts with four other providers and are therefore the worst credit risk? Um, these guys are tiny. Like there, there is, in my opinion, zero percent chance these guys will ever be um, one of the big players, i.e., being able to have like proper scale. So. How are they going to compete with the ones with scale? I had to read their update about seven times to see. I couldn't believe it. The merchant sales volume grew strongly to 70 million. Well, we're looking, you know, at Afterpay that did in merchant sales a billion of sales 
just in the US alone in one month. So the scale is just the difference in scale between Split It and Afterpay is just massive, massive. So I think there's quite a potential that a lot of uh, people like think, all right, you know, Afterpay is on this many times merchant sales, so Split It should be on at least you know some similar number or something. I don't know what kind of analysis is leading to people buy shares in this company because I can't find any rational reason to buy it. All right. Other okay. than, oh, the stock's going to play up and, and somebody put in a Facebook group that it's cool or whatever. Well, I think we can both agree yeah. that is that is not a reason yeah. to buy a yeah. stock. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe a small comment to throw in here. Afterpay is actually has a network effect. These guys work off a credit card, mm. which is, and, and if you take into the consideration that Afterpay is eating into credit cards, mm. and these guys obviously would be on the losing side in, in, in a broad term. Yeah. Right? Apart from the fact that they are tiny. Yeah, yeah. Okay, some interesting comments there. We are halfway through the show, so let's do a very quick recap. We started off with Buy Now, Pay Later with the uh, big gorilla in the room with Afterpay. None of our experts bold enough to slap a sell on that because uh, I think we've all learned the hard way what happens when you bet against Afterpay. <laughs> that being said, they are pretty nosebleed kind of valuation. So it was, it was, no one was inclined to, uh, at the same token, by the same token to put a buy on that. Uh, we then went to Aurelia Metals, Gold and Copper Play. Rudy actually with a very speculative buy. For Claude, it was a no, although he did have some positive things to say just outside of uh, his expertise. And, uh, uh, and really, I think that's a really important skill to have is to know where your boundaries lie. As I said before, ARB uh, discussed as one of the better run companies on the ASX, a phenomenal history, excellent management, great capital allocation, lots and lots and lots of nice things to say there. Bit of a boost with no one going on uh, uh, holidays uh, uh, lately, but uh, you are paying up for it. So no, neither of the gents were prepared to say you should sell it. But by the same token, again, uh, it's not a buy at this point. Urbanized. Now, this was an interesting one. This is very much uh, a, a, a tiny company. It had very great ambition when it first floated. Things did not go that well. Uh, Claude's made a pretty good case for a turnaround there. And uh, there is some argument to be made that, it, that things are cheap enough. Rudy, on the other hand, saying that sometimes things are cheap for a very good reason. So hopefully a bit of things, uh, a few things there to uh, consider. We then spoke about Dubber, cloud-based call recording software. Actually, sales here have gone uh, through the roof, uh, absolutely, absolutely exploding, although the company in managing that sales growth has really ramped up its costs at the same time. So still unprofitable. You are paying a hefty multiple for it. Uh, so uh, it was no from both of those gents and Rudy adding the, the, the comment that it was just too small for him as a general rule. And then we ended up with Split It. Uh, if you are going to go into the buy now, play later space, uh, the gents really saying that you really want to back the big guys here. Network effects, network effects matter. And uh, with the, when you're a small player, uh, well, it's just harder to get that. So what does all of that mean? Well, as I always say, whenever we see two thumbs up from our experts, we buy that in our little sample portfolio. We've been doing that since July 1. NabTrade have sponsored this for us and I bet you they're pretty glad they did because if you have a look at the performance over the last uh, six and a half months or so, we've done very, very well indeed. And as you can see on the bottom of your screen, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio is where you'll see everything that has been added and then taken 
taken away and it's a really great place to get some fresh ideas. What's changed on that portfolio? Actually, yesterday we had a few tipped in. Objective Corp, Magellan Financial Group, that one comes up all the time on the show, so it was good to see that one get added into the portfolio. Uh, Big Tin Can also uh, added in. Uh, Nick Scarly, A2 Milk, and as I said, you can check out the website to see all the other moves. So without any further ado, let's get into the uh, final five here. Claude, let's start with you. Ancel is a company, big blue chip company. It's actually got a really good history here. They've divested themselves of their condom business not that long ago. Now all about PPE and rubber gloves. The earnings per share growth in recent, in the last few years at least, has been very strong, although it has been a little bit bumpy. They have had their wobbles in the past. At a PE of 18 and a yield of 2.2%, does it get across the line for you? Uh, I think you, you're going to struggle to ever get a buyout of me for one of these mega caps because I just don't see... You know, I like to have like some good disagreement potentially about the stock or alternatively um, basically have something under the radar. So I won't get across the line for me except in a special circumstance. But having said that, I do think Ansel is a good a good company. Um we, they've had like a couple of upgrades this year, so I mean, as you as you could probably guess, this was a really good first order buy um, in the sell-off because it, it went down heaps in March last year. But actually, it's um, all of its protective equipment and stuff is something that's in high demand during a pandemic. And I think if anything, you know, this thing has served to highlight the importance of infection control, which is absolutely something that um, Ansel is part of. Uh, they've They've had, um, yeah, I think it's a reasonable price. You de- I'm definitely not going to say sa- sell uh, at these prices. It has come down a little bit. I think probably above $40, I'd be tempted to say sell. But this is a large, decent quality business. You know, based on their most recent updates, I don't have them as too expensive, although I don't think I had them as low as you. I think I had them at, at closer to 20 or 25 times. Mm-hmm. But either way, I think it's probably the yield is to, I'm talking forward earnings, but I think the yield is probably where you want to look anyway. And given interest rates are so low, I could definitely see why um, somebody might hold this sort of stock in their portfolio as a little bit of a decent yield play that, that they have a reasonable prospect of thinking should grow just as, as generally the world grows. You know, this is this these supply healthcare and, and, and a bunch of other stuff as well. So there's a, a few moving parts there, which makes it a little bit hard to get a clear edge. But yeah, I think it's a decent quality company. It'll get a hold from me. Okay, hold from Claude. Um, I should have mentioned Jenna wrote in about this company. So thanks for sending it through, Jenna. Rudy, it's a business that, as Claude says, it's much bigger than a lot of the ones we discuss, but it has still delivered a, you know, you've doubled your money in the last five years. Yes, but I was wondering whether I was looking at the same company as you guys are talking about, because I hear things like mega caps and stuff like that. Guys, this is a small company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry. Mega cap, maybe a CSL or, or, or a CBA, but Ansel. Well, mega cap related <laughs> to what Claude normally yeah. invests in. <laughs> if yeah. you yeah, if we compare yeah. it to Dubba and Urbanize, this is a mega cap. But there is a, there is a, there is a higher order. It, it's a, listen, I like it. Um, it's to me, it's in the same category as an ARB Corp. Um, I always put in the same basket as a as a as a, um, a This is one of the few truly international companies we have in Australia. But because it's not that large in size. Um, it, it can have very volatile periods. I mean, things like currencies, like uh, uh, input, because the, there's a lot of commodities involved, chemicals yes. for, f- for the producing of, 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 uh, of latex. Plastics, latex, latex based, yep. Yep. essentially. 
And also, if anyone wonders, um, whatever happened to uh, uh, Pacific Dunlop, mm. once upon a time, uh, one of the majestic conglomerates of the Australian corporate history has generated. This is the, this is the, this is the remainder. Yes. This is the last part that uh, that still remains with us. Anyway, long story short, I think it's an excellent long-term buy. Uh, the reason why the share price uh, went up previously is that they are one of the main beneficiaries of what is happening around the world. Uh, all people put this in in the in the in the in the healthcare sector, mm. and it's only half of their of their businesses. What people have to realize is the, 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 the gloves you buy in the supermarket could be produced by Ansel, mm. the more expensive ones are. Mm. And it goes as far as, as people working on, on, on an oil drag and having prote protective equipment, which yep. is also produced by, by Ansel. So there's a whole wide range here. Yep. And um, excellent business. They have been punished in, in recent times because they were a beneficiary previously. And people are now questioning how much of that is sustainable. I actually think that the world literally has changed. This pandemic is not, well, it may not be around us in the same extent that it was last year, but it's not going to go away anyway. Mm. So I think this has an excellent future and I'm actually a shareholder, so I, I'm biased in this one. Okay. Um, right. but, I, but I bought it on the pullback and I think with a long-term view, that's not a bad thing to do. Yes, I agree with you there. I think that as if, in fact, if you are a long-term investor and there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the business, uh, big falls in share prices yes. are pretty good. Exactly. I mean, that's yeah. what you want to see, right? Everyone loves a sale. Let's talk about another big business. Uh, maybe let's call this one a mega cap too, will we, Cord? Um, this one's no, this Brambles. Big, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I shouldn't have said that about Ansel. Rudy's exactly right about it anyway. Sorry, <laughs> mate. We, 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 we're not going to let that one go. Um, uh, Rudy, I'll, I'll go with you on uh, this one first, though. Brambles, this is another interesting company. Been around for, forever and a day. Yes. Trisha's written in. Uh, for those that don't know, this is logistics. This is essentially pallets, and you'll see them yes. everywhere. Yeah. So if, if you are uh, a business that is shipping things around, you're probably using a Brambles pallet, uh, yeah. at least in Australia. In fact, a lot of parts of the world. That being said, Rudy, it's been a uninspiring yes, performance yes, uh, for a few years definitely definitely i mean i mean this is this um when i came to australia they actually had a problem that they lost a lot of pallets they couldn't find them. i remember that I mean, yeah. these days they actually have chips in them and they can there's much easier for them to look at but anyway there, there is there is you're you're right there is a disconnect here brambles see themselves as a as a logistics company but in practice, they've, they've had to divest a lot of businesses and some of the ventures they, they, they went into didn't really work out. The only thing that's working for them is pallets and then not always. Mm. Um, I agree with you. Um, it's, it's probably in, to a large extent an image thing. This is regarded as one of the, the defensive quality businesses on the stock exchange. But in recent five years or so, it hasn't really done anything. Mm. Uh, it looks really cheap here. Mm. Um, those analysts who are covering the stock believe that um, their move into Asia increasingly will ultimately uh, start generating returns for shareholders. But you probably have to be patient still. Mm -hmm. and, and in the meantime, again, this probably belongs in the same basket as, as Ansel and Emcor. Mm -hmm. um, I know this one is cheaper, but on a relative basis, I still think in the short term you get better returns out of Ansel and Emcor, to be honest. Okay, let's this one really has to turn around, and, and I would say a halt with patience. With uh, Claude, this one for me, I, I haven't looked at it closely for a while, but it strikes me as a business that's actually the, uh, one of these big businesses that has a wonderful business 
but shareholders have been damaged by poor capital allocation decisions from management in the past. So you have to believe that those those errors of judgment are not going to be repeated. Do you think they can do it? Well, you know that I'm not one on that's particularly big on second chances um, for for management, basically, because, um, you know, you can find someone who's still on their first chance to back. But at the same time, uh, I do agree that this business has a competitive advantage based on its distribution network. So it's extremely difficult for somebody to, you know, go and set up that pallet business with pallets all over the world. It, I mean, it cost a fortune and, and the returns probably wouldn't be high enough. And then you'd just be in this sort of cutthroat competition anyway with brambles that would be trying to, you know, lower their prices to put you out of business. So they have an old school competitive moat and I don't see that moat going away. Obviously, the potential mm. of maximizing this moat is extremely high if the company just spends its money completely leaning on in into that area where it has competitive advantage, just relentless reducing costs buying back their own shares, which they are doing, and paying dividends, rather than trying to allocate capital into different growth initiatives. So if, but I think that the problem is boards always want growth. They're always like incentivizing management with growth, 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 growth. Okay, for understandable reasons, people want growth. That's how they become rich as managers. But the reality is probably the best thing that these guys could do would just be solidly buy back their own shares and reinvest in making sure that they yeah. have the highest possible margins. And as a result, that option still exists. You know, it'd, it'd be a brilliant dividend stock if that was the absolute focus um, and we could be confident of that. But still, you know, okay. it's going to get a hold for me just because it still does have that ability and, and that's a cool part of its business. Obviously, not one I'm buying myself, but a decent decent business there. Probably can find better stuff though. Okay, okay, cool. Let's do let's have a power round here. We're going to go through three stocks. We're going to do it super quickly here. But let's get to the core of the, the message for each of these. Andre Claude has written in my deal. This is really new to the boards. But uh, you know, there's something nice about marketplace businesses. Is this one that deserves your dollar? Okay, so I definitely I own shares in this, so I have to disclose that. It's only a small holding for me because, as you said, it's a really new um, company. Company, and the other thing is, um, this is also like a retail play for me. So you know, I like to invest in software, healthcare a lot. I want to have a little bit of retail exposure during this period, where, as we've seen, all the stimulus has seen retail absolutely smash on. So. I've had Adairs, I've had my deal. Um, I've sold out of Temple and Webster now, but I had that before. Um, and my deal and Adairs are the ones that I still have, although basically I'm looking for the retail driven uplift from this pandemic, but we don't know how long that's going to last now. So um, my deal is interesting. It is a drop shipper. It, it's sort of like a marketplace that allows other people to sell their goods on my deal. They can improve margins by um, sort of having more and more of their own products and stuff over time that kind of thing. It's really early days. We don't know anything about it really because it's only been listed a short time. I own shares just so I keep a good eye on it and I see, and if it does actually start to do really well, then I hope to be one of the first people to notice that. Um, so speculative position for me. Um, okay. I, I, I don't think I should, I don't think I should say buy, but I guess it's sort of a buy for me because I do own shares. All right, that's, I'll put that as a buy. Uh, Rudy. I'll be back to short. It's not going to go into the portfolio. Okay, put it that way. I was very confident. But I was confident that Rudy would not be putting this one in the portfolio. <laughs> it's, it's, very, it's, very, it's, it's very simple. This is something I've said a couple of times. Yeah? As an investor, yeah, it's not about taking risk. It's about managing risk and reducing risk, essentially. Now, this is just listed. Right? I own... 
I own companies that, that have had listed not that long ago, but I almost never buy them immediately after listing. Yeah? Think about Xero, um, Bepcor, NextGC, they all listed not that long ago, yeah? Appen, right? Um, but I almost never buy them immediately after. Why is that? Because as, as Claude says, you don't know, yeah. right? They still have to prove themselves. And if it's really a good company, you'll have time on your side. So if your if you're reason as an investor, um, you don't have to go there. Okay, um, let's uh, really with uh, the next one. Nathan has written in GenX Power. So this yeah. is clean energy, mm -hmm. um, and they've. What was interesting? Their Keystone project here, or sorry, their, their ex gold mine is an ex gold mine, <laughs> but a bit of a solar power plant next to pumped hydro station yes. here, and, and they're actually and selling electricity at and this there's, stage. There's the the, the windmills. There's, there's the, they've, they've, uh, oh, yes, okay, wind as right. well. They've wind as well. So that's. But it looks interesting, they're in the white sector, but uh, lots of risk, really lots of risk. I had a quick look uh, in the FNRINA database. Uh, I think there's only one broker covering it and they, one thing emphasized, risk. I mean, risk is there, small company, lots of deals, lots of things come online. Um, so long story short, if you, you can take that risk because uh, on the basis of that analysis, the share price is by, defi by definition not expensive. Maybe that's because of the risk. So if you take that risk on board and you, you, you uh, adopt the view that um, the share price is cheap because of the risk, which means to a certain extent it's priced in, mm -hmm. uh, then by all means, but because of this, and it's probably a longer term story, don't make it too big a part of your portfolio. Okay. I mean, uh, see it as a, as a small thing you can do. I would, I would not put in a portfolio, by the way. So I, I would say a, um, a hold with the right risk profile. <laughs> yep, yep. And I know I'm repeating myself here, but uh, I always say context matters. So they're not just simple buy, sell, or holds. Viewers, uh, there is always things to consider around that. Um, what do you reckon, Claude? Is Gen X Power something that uh, that you would buy? Uh, well, so I'll start with my conclusions the same as Rudy. This is like a hold in the right context of the risk and all that sort of stuff. But I will add this it's important to remember that the only reason that this thing can exist, as far as I understand it, and also I did my law honors thesis on sort of renewable energy subsidies. The reason that this can exist is because of a big um, loan from uh, this sort of a government, um, a government body that's essentially meaning that these guys have the $600 million or whatever that they need to go ahead with this hydro energy project that's attached to the renewable energy stuff they're doing. Mm -hmm. So this is an, an innovative thing that is being um, basically pushed by um, the Northern Australia Infrastructure Facility um, in order to have some of that project happen. Obviously, it's good for us to experiment with what sort of solutions we could have for renewable energy, providing both baseload and stuff like that. Hope it succeeds massively. But just remember, like, that's sort of different from a company that's got some product that's so good that customers love and they're just selling it and making profits that way. These guys haven't reached cash flow break even. These guys have only got the project up thanks to government support. Good on them, I say. I wish them every success. And also, you know, probably the kind of people that own a shares in this are probably people after my own heart that want to see it succeed. So I'm all for it there. Personally, before I invested, I'd be waiting to see more cash flows come in because the actual amount of money they're getting right now is extremely low. Mm -hmm. So I would be definitely waiting until much longer into the story before buying shares, and I'd probably lose a lot of upside if it does succeed there, but at least I'll have a better understanding of the economics. All right, okay, lucky last, guys, and, and again, I'm sorry to keep rushing you along here. We've just 
time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? But this is an interesting one. I did want to make sure we did uh, spend a bit of time on it. This is Hanson Technologies. These guys do software for utilities. Pretty much a story of growth by acquisition, which normally raises some concerns, but they have been very, very good at it. They took a very big acquisition last year with Sigma. Uh, but as a result, we've actually seen some pretty good growth on a per share basis here. And the PE 16, what do you think, Claude? Oh, look, best case scenario is what you said. Best case scenario here is your bull story. Oh, we've got some existing software. We can acquire new softwares. Look at Constellation, which is a great software company that goes by acquisition in the US. You know, look at, we could be like that. I don't believe that personally. I agree that they've made some good decisions over the years, but the other view of a growth by acquisition company is melting ice cubes. So you're buying businesses that other people want to sell because they're gradually, they no longer have an edge over the competition and maybe they're losing to the competition. So they're gradually melting away. And what you do to try and get growth is you're trying to stack those melting ice cubes on top of each other, but they keep melting. And if you look at that, if we can look at that five year share price, I think we think it looks like a melting ice cube share price. Um, you get a bump from, there you go, perfect. You get a bump from an acquisition, oh, things look good, growth stock, blah, blah, blah. Oh, everything's melting away, everything is melting away. So that's my leading thesis explaining Hanson Technologies right now. I could be wrong, it could be something different, but for the reasons that I've just said, I consider it a melting ice cube and would not own the stock. Okay, yeah, fair uh, enough. Really, what are you this, what are this, this is one of those um, uh, small cap uh, software companies that has a very, um, very good reputation. A lot of people always say, like, "Oh, it's a very good, very good company." Um, I once was was on that side. I actually owned uh, Hansen uh, in oh, it's, it's a while ago. And uh, but but I, I've since I've studied the company, I, I disagree with everyone who thinks it's a good company. Mm -hmm. uh, the long and the short of it. The easiest way to illustrate this is that um, when I owned it, and it's probably a decade ago, uh, they paid seven cents in dividends to shareholders. Uh, the prospective dividend for the years ahead is eight cents. So in in 10, 15 years, that that dividend moves up from from six to seven to eight, which is nothing. Mm. Let's face it, mm. and that basically sums up the the story. On 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 the outside, it looks like they have a beautiful business. They're, they're servicing. Um, they actually do the client end of, of of utilities and of of telecommunication, which you would think that's a beautiful position to be in. But maybe their size, maybe the, the, the nature of their, com of their, of their clients, mm. it doesn't translate into anything for the shareholders. Mm. Right? As mm. I said, yeah. mm. it goes from six cents to eight cents in over a decade, which is nothing as, as, as an increase. And you see that in the share price as well. So to me, it just doesn't translate into anything for shareholders unless you, you really pick the bottom and, 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 and then uh, jump ship again when it, when it has its peak. Okay. So I think that summarizes the whole thing. Avoid, don't go there. Okay, oh man, I wish we had more time. There's so much to say, but we don't have time. Uh, let's do a quick recap of those last five shares. And looks as though we're not gonna add anything to the portfolio today. We started with Ansel, really uh, a fan uh, for the long term here. This is a business that has delivered long term. For, for Claude, this is uh, a mega cap. Sorry, Claude, I'm not going to let that one go. Uh, but but uh, but one that's just not exciting and outside of, uh, of, of where he likes to fish. Brambles is a business that uh, on paper should have a lot going for it, but just hasn't delivered. So for the gents, it was a hold each there. My deal, a very recent listing 
and that always makes it a little bit spicier. Uh, so for Rudy, he couldn't bring that one over the line. Claude was a yes, but on a very small position and more of a speculative basis. There are something nice about marketplace businesses when they do get it right. And there is, of course, that retail uh, theme to consider there as well. We then went to Gen X Power. We like these companies. They're doing good for the planet. But in terms of your investment dollar, neither gent gentleman would go there at this point in time. Although at the same time, they're not a sell. So again, on, on, on the fence there with a hold. And then Hanson Technologies, we just couldn't get that one over the line uh, either. That was that was two thumbs down. Uh, I've got a few shares in that. So I was hoping I was hoping <laughs> I'd get something a bit more positive. Uh, that is Sorry, the man. show for the day. Gents, we always have, uh, we always love having you on the show. We always struggle for time though, I should, I should say. But Rudy? Good to see you again. I know. It's always a good pleasure. It is always fun. And uh, Claude, good to see you too. Thanks. Great to see you guys and happy, happy weekend ahead. And make sure you support our guests as well. Go check out FN Arena and also A Rich Life. Lots and lots of great content there. But that is it for today. That is it for the week. We'll, we'll be back, of course, next week. So make sure you keep sending your stock selections through. Uh, at Ausbiz TV is how you do it on Twitter. And the call at ausbiz.com.au is the email address. And uh, we hope you send them through. We can't do the show without you. But until then, have yourself a good weekend and we'll be back next week. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com <laughs>